Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Sorry, I didn't hear you come up behind me. How did you even find me? Guess I'll have to be more careful to cover up my tracks next time. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just frustrated because I came into the studio today to upload some of my favorite hauntings ever recorded from the LGH archives, and instead I found this crudely drawn treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence, which led me here to the middle of the Black Forest in Colorado. I guess someone stole the two hard drives and buried them somewhere out here, and now I'm trying to dig them up. Luckily, I brought an extra shovel just in case, so don't just stand there, help me dig. To be honest, I'm actually kind of glad you followed me here because I keep hearing these weird, whispery voices coming from the trees. Plus, some guy ran up to me earlier screaming about alien holes, whatever that means. Oh my god, I think I hit something. Yes! Yes! It's one of my hard drives. Since you're here, do you want to listen to the story with me? Let me just plug this into my laptop. Oh good, it still works. Are you ready? This first story comes from Emma who, late one night while driving home in the rain, had something strange happen to her that can only be described as a glimpse into an alternate timeline. Hey Emma, what's haunting you? My name is Emma. I am 23 years old. I'm from the eastern side of Canada in the middle of nowhere. The exact timeline in which this story took place was during the phase of my life where I was working at a very large department store. I was probably freshly 21. So about two years ago, I was working at a very large department store and I was working until pretty late in the night. My boyfriend at the time lived quite a distance away, but he would usually time it so that he would end up in the parking lot at the time that I got off work so we could drive back to my apartment together for the night. When I got off my shift that night, I, I always get this burst of energy when I'm off work because I get to go home, I get to see my cats, I get to do my favorite things again. So as I was leaving work, I, I was full of energy. You know, I was speed walking through the parking lot toward my car. At the time, it was only really misting, you know, just enough to mess up my glasses. So I'd have to clean them as soon as I got in the car, but not enough that it was a scary situation to drive. Of course, though, as luck would have it, 
basically as soon as I got in my car, it started to rain more and more until it was basically pouring to the point where it was very loud on the outside of my car. And so we left with him in the lead. I was heading back home to my apartment. I was driving by myself on the highway with my boyfriend in his own car following just behind me. It was pouring as I was driving and slightly dark. The visibility wasn't really great. Driving down the highway, it was really hard for me to see. Like, I almost have to focus on the uh, on the yellow line beside me in order to get a sense of where I am in the lane. Once we got on the highway, though, we started to get really competitive. We went in lanes beside each other. It's not exactly racing, but it would be like I, I would speed up and get ahead of him and swerve in front of him. And then he would repeat and do the same thing. Not justifying it, it wasn't, it was reckless behavior, but that was just what we were up to that night. And at this particular moment, I happened to have just pulled in front of him. I got near this bend on the highway with an overpass above it. On either sides of me were concrete rail guards, and just up ahead in the road was a puddle. I was going approximately 120 to 130 kilometers an hour, or 75 to 80 miles an hour. As I approached this bend in the road, I was hit with an overwhelming sense of fear. I've never felt that before in my life. It was almost like this sense of imminent danger. Every part of my body was almost screaming that like I was about to die, you know? Something really, really bad was about to happen. And it was such a freaky, a freaky feeling that I'd never experienced before. I just naturally slowed down. As soon as I hit the brakes in front of that puddle, for me, everything was fine, you know? I went into the puddle, I saw the water splash around and up over my car, and I continued to drive as if nothing had happened. Immediately after this, though, my boyfriend calls me. You know, like, I could tell he was, like, hyperventilating and crying at the same time. I answer the phone, and he's freaking out. He's crying and telling me to slow down. I said I already did because I had a weird feeling, and asked him why he wanted to tell me that. From his perspective, I was driving around the bend and did not slow down. When I hit the puddle, I hydroplaned, and he saw my headlights go toward the concrete rail guard to my left. What he saw was me veer toward the concrete rail guard. From his perspective, he did not see my brake lights. I had remained, in his mind, at 80 miles an hour, and I had continued. And then the second I hit that puddle, my car began to hydroplane quite violently, and it caused me to veer off drastically towards the left into the concrete rail guard, between the two uh, different directions of traffic on the highway. The vision kind of stopped almost right before the impact. Then all of a sudden, I was in front of the puddle going in a straight line again. In an instant, everything just kind of snapped back to how it should be, you know? It was back to, I guess, where I was in time, and I was going straight, in a straight line, as if nothing had happened. During that, he had this very real sense of fear and grief. Like, he was very upset to the point where he started crying instantly. And then I just kind of responded with, everything's fine, I, I did slow down, you know, why, why are you so upset right now? I, I didn't really understand. And then he uh, retorted with, I swear to God, I, I saw you die. I, I saw you swerve into the concrete rail guard, and it was like you were gone. And then in a second, everything was fine. I feel like the human brain always tries to rationalize sometimes pretty irrational events. So at the time when we got home, we just chalked up to a number of factors. Um, at the time, I was in university, I was trying to be as independent as possible, so I was working two jobs to pay my rent on top of that, one of which was having to tutor another student. Um, 
So I personally was very stressed. Uh, my boyfriend at the time as well was also working quite a lot to try to make ends meet. We were both very stressed. Um, and that's actually the reason why I posted it to Reddit. It's because I was hoping someone would just jump out with this logical explanation for what happened. But I didn't find an answer. Instead, what I found was many stories exactly like mine. Those other people also all searching for a logical answer to their own questions. Through reading different stories, I read the entire Wikipedia page on this theory called quantum immortality. It's basically a theory that suggests that every time a decision is made, the reality that you're living in would split up into multiple outcomes. And so if a decision is made that would end your life, therefore your consciousness, it would be physically impossible for you to exist in a reality in which you're not conscious. So therefore, no matter how unlikely it is for you to survive an event, you will as long as a survivable outcome is possible. Which is really confusing to wrap your head around. But looking into it, it could have been what happened to me that night. It was almost like I, I received a, a warning from the future about what's gonna, what was going to happen. You know, I chalked it off as intuition originally. But I had never felt that amount of fear before. You know, what actually warned me that something bad was going to happen? What made it so that I braked at just the right time to end up going underneath the water as opposed to over? And there's also the whole other side of why did my now fiancé see what he saw and then somehow jump back into a reality in which nothing had happened? Looking back on the event realistically, I think it's more likely than not that something beyond my ability to comprehend had happened that night. It's it's kind of hard to explain why I feel that way. It's just there were so many factors that went into that that just have no concrete explanation. It almost leaves me to think that there's some other unknown force that we don't yet understand that's causing all these weird events similar to mine and everybody else who commented on my post. We all have at least one inexplicable story. If quantum immortality were to be true, I think that it's too simple of a concept to explain what exactly happened in my case that night. Unless there was a chance that by me hitting the rail guard, I might have also killed my boyfriend at the time. I don't think it would have been possible for him to really die in that scenario, therefore causing the quantum immortality to take place in his reality, only because we were in the same lane, right? So had I have drastically swerved to the left, I feel like I would have avoided him altogether. So it makes me feel as if there was another force at play here that's even greater than quantum immortality. Um, some theories that were both suggested to me by other Redditors or thought up by myself uh, could have been, my favorite one is that Perhaps seeing me die for him was so, so shocking and so upsetting in that moment that his soul willed so hard to not see me die that he actually followed me into my new reality, which makes me believe that perhaps it is possible one day for humans to figure out how to manually jump through different realities. The next theory is... Perhaps that moment was the only moment in which he could have lived. He has had a lot of issues with depression and, you know, some, some pretty scary events in the past. He could be a danger to himself if he was upset enough. Knowing what I know now about how much we care about each other, you know, how about we're about to get married, 
that moment, knowing that our reckless behavior and his own reckless behavior would have caused the death of the person he cares about most in this world, could have shocked him so much that the only reality in which he continues to live throughout quantum mortality was the reality in which I stayed alive. And that's why he jumped over in that moment. Because any moment after that would have eventually led to his death in some form or another. Pretty spooky, right? All right, the next clue on the treasure map says, If the second hard drive you wish to find, you'll have to walk and clear your mind. Go through the woods until you meet a wooden shack on chicken feet. Hmm, what strange instructions. But I guess I came this far already, so why turn back now, you know? Let's keep walking deeper into the shadows to see what we can find. And while we're looking for this weird chicken house, why don't you play the audio file on that hard drive titled Patrons? Can you do that for me? Thanks. Let's Get Haunted is primarily funded through help from hauntees just like you. This month, we'd love to give a big shout out to the following donors. Monica H., Red Sands, Tiffany S., Brittany F., Deanna P., Deanna P., Valeria R., Wayne C., Jonna H., Jessica S., Cynthia DLTC, Interix, Kat B, Vicky T, Wesley B, Mario A, Kristen K, Alessia, Alessia, Allison S, Hannah T, Malik, Cassidy D, Jody G, Carrie C, Nikki S, Robin Nicole B, Freddie F, Lauren B, Abby S, Cassie L, Giovanni P, McKenna P, Tabby J, Hallie L, Haley L, Alaya Ayala, Alaya, Alaya A, Ilea A, Alaya A, Coraline, Lindsay L, Dan M, Rachel V, Ed W, Katie S, Kelsey A, Kelsey A, Melissa G, Angelo E, Emily B, Kat L, Doralee in Joshua K, Hunter S, Alessa M, V, Amber B Haunted, Sage Faye, Christopher O, Sierra, Ariel M, Ariel M, Ariel M, Ariel M, Chase, Mark and Missy, Delilah F, Erica M, Chelsea O, Brooke W, Bree Bingo H, Sophie, Jordan B, Tara Lee, Dana C, Sarah L, Thaddeus G, Sydney S, Alyssa S, Alisa S, Tajakester, By Lauren, Shane, Mary A, Rory L, Chinua, Ileana RN, Ileana RN, Jesse W, Halen O, The Poo Poo Flinga, Hexylvania Snow, Simpon 98, Ashley R, Jenny B, Olivia M, Ashley W, Jasmine C, Abigail A, Tyler B, Michael R, Samantha P, Edwina, Z Sweet, Brandon R, Lisa A, Jello R, Brenna M, Perry I, Bella, Nicholas M, Elena B, Maddie V, Kevin and Mel H, Maria S, Chanel C, Brett is in the bathtub, Jocelyn, Erica B, Charlie M, Shannon C, Lindsay S, Jessica W, Erd Ferguson, Julissa D, Julissa D, Kylie M, Harvey A, Ivan L, Haley A, Kathleen O, Danny, Patricia M, Patricia M, Amanda, Jess M, Dorothy, Brielle, Jenna S, Hinsley M, Padaka and Sonny, Miss 
Miss Natty Cat, Ripley F, Zeke G, Amanda S, Emma D, Rebecca H, Lindsay M, Cetus, Ketus, Taylor M, Anna S, Cat and Alice the Malice, Alex W, Madison M, Julia M, Alex P, I'm Mero Biba, Sabrina P, Amanda S, Mary Grace G, Rake, Nicole S, and Hannah Mac M. Thank you all so, so much for supporting our show. We cannot express to you how grateful we are, especially coming off the heels of such an insane October this year. We really appreciate all of our patrons. If you'd like to hear your name shouted out in a future episode, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash let's get haunted. Thank you all so much for your support. (sighs) Thanks for playing that audio file for me. It really took my mind off the fact that we've walked about two miles deeper into the belly of one of the most haunted forests in all of Colorado in search of a spooky wooden hut. Oh my god, do you see that? Wait, 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 wait. Shh, shh. Oh my god. What is that thing slowly coming into focus near the top of the tree line? ominously swaying back and forth on creaking stilts. Wait, those aren't stilts. Those are chicken legs? Oh my god, I think we just found the mystical yizba of the fearsome Baba Yaga. I didn't know that she could also teleport into Colorado. Wow, I can't believe this. I'd love to stay and ask her for an interview for the show, but I really need to find that second hard drive. Do you think it's in the mouth of one of the many skulls of her enemies that line the exterior of the property? Hmm. You go to the left of the talking gate, and I'll go to the right of that weird talking thorn bush and yell if you find it. While we're poking around the skulls and bones of Baba Yaga's enemies, let's hear from this week's sponsor. Hey haunties, it's Allie here. Do you ever listen to our show and find yourself completely overwhelmed with terror by the end of each episode? This episode is sponsored by Vinterra Farms CBD products. No longer will you care whether you live or die after ingesting some of their excellent tinctures, gummies, and or vape pens. Make all your friends and family say, I didn't know you were chill like that, as you listen to horrifying tales of crypts and cryptids unfazed. Does a goat man have you cornered on an abandoned train track? Is a toilet ghost knocking on your bathroom stall door? Whatever your unique situation is, Vinterra Farms has the right CBD product for you. Dehaunt yourself immediately, not with sage, but with its cooler cousin, cannabis. For 15% off your entire purchase plus free shipping, head to VinterraFarmsCBD.com and type in promo code HAUNTED15 at checkout. That's V like Vostok, E, N like Necromancy, T like Time Travel, E-R-R-A, Farms, CBD.com, promo code HAUNTED15. Or just check out the show notes and click the link. Thank you for supporting California farmers and farm workers. And now back to your regularly scheduled haunting. Oh wow, the sponsor reading is done already? 
Well, I guess you missed it. Dang, sorry about that. I went on this crazy adventure just now while you were poking around the bones over there. I found Baba Yaga, we had a nice chat. She showed me her mortar and pestle. I met her cat. She even had some girl in there trapped in this weird makeshift jail cell, but I negotiated her release. Anyway, sorry you missed it all, but she did give me the second hard drive, so let's go ahead and plug it in while we're walking back. Today's final story comes from Tem, who also experienced something of a glimpse into an alternate timeline when she came face to face with her doppelganger in a bar. Hey Tem, what's haunting you? Hi, my name's Tem. I am from Australia and I had a doppelganger experience when I was in my 20s. I was at uni, I was doing a double degree. I really needed some extra cash and figured bar work would fit in with my schedule. I applied for the job. I did get an interview and was swiftly knocked back. It's a bit of an older country style pub. I don't think they really wanted somebody who was too outrageous with their appearance. I had colored hair at the time and a lot of piercings and didn't get called back. For a while, I really thought nothing of it and moved on. It wasn't too long after that. I started getting friends congratulate me on getting the job. I didn't really understand and I didn't put too much effort into it. I guess it didn't pique my curiosity to the point where I would think anything was suspicious. I really put it out of my mind. Not long after that, I had a friend who invited me out and we went to the pub. It was really close to my house. We would probably be there once every two weeks, just drinking as uni students do. And every time we went there, I wouldn't have to pay for drinks or I'd get cheaper drinks. I would get free cover charges on nights that like bands were playing there. The staff seemed to know me. It hadn't really been a regular pub for us before, but we kept going there more because I was getting free drinks. So we really kind of took advantage of it and I didn't like to question it too much. I was poor, you know? I was like, free drinks, cool. And it was that continuing for a few months. I met a guy at the bar. I saw him for a while. I started getting quite anxious. I really put that down to stress due to maybe assignments or being tired, but it became clear that it was specifically when we went to this bar or were in the vicinity of this bar that I'd really start to feel uneasy. And at that point, it was just this feeling of anxiety where I didn't want to really go there anymore. I couldn't explain it. And I almost didn't want to be a burden by requesting if we go somewhere else. And what really kicked it into gear was he sent me a message that looking back was pretty toxic, but he was like, I can't believe you would treat me like you don't even know me. All of your work friends know that we know each other. It's so shitty of you to blow me off because you're at work. It's not even that busy. And that really got under my skin. 
I said to him, don't go anywhere. I will come and talk to you. And it was probably a 12 minute bus ride from my uni campus. So I hopped on a bus and thought, yeah, cool. I'll just go down there and sort this out. I caught the bus and as we were getting maybe two, three minutes from the bar, I started to feel really uneasy again. We're at this traffic light and suddenly somebody just runs the red light, smashes into the bus. I think with most car accidents, before you see it coming, you feel it. So it's just this bash into the front doors. The bus driver said to us, there's going to be an ambulance to come. We all have to get checked out, make sure that everyone's okay. So I was just stuck there and I couldn't leave to continue on, which caused even more problems with this guy where he's like, hello, where are you? Kind of mocking me because he thinks he can see me in the bar and that I'm still ignoring him and going, oh, I thought you were on your way, haha. That's when I started thinking, there has to be, this isn't just a mistaken identity of somebody who looks like me. Like to be up close and personal with a person who you are in a relationship with, you know that that's that person. It's not a lookalike, it's not their sibling, it's not a friend, it's, it's them. I came home one day from classes. The share house I was living in was 13 people. It was across the road from campus, but technically still uni campus living. We all had a similar schedule, but I came home from class and one of my housemates was cooking dinner and kind of motioned over her shoulder to the dining table and went, oh, there's a letter on the table from you from work. I think it's your pay slip. I didn't really know what she was talking about, but I just grabbed it on my way back to my room and went, yeah, cool, thanks. It felt like there was something in it. You know the difference between an empty envelope and something with like a piece of paper in it. It's subtle, but there is a difference. And it felt like something was in it. And I walked back to my room. I put my textbooks down, my bag, things like that. And saw the address of the bar on the back. My name and address on it, the bar's name and address as the return label. And I opened it up and it was empty. I can't describe like, there wasn't a point where it felt full and then suddenly it felt empty. It was just like I opened it up and it was a completely empty envelope. I was 50-50 on, is somebody just playing a prank on me? Is this supposed to be a funny joke where, you know, my friends have just noticed that something's going on and capitalized on it or I don't know. I, I had no kind of theory as to what could have been happening. And I chucked it on my desk, went to have a shower and then it was just gone. It wasn't on my desk. I had my own room, so no one would have thrown it out. Yeah, it was frustrating. I remember being really frustrated that this was happening. And so I caught the bus again. And as I'm approaching the bar, I was pressing the button to get off to, you know, say that my stop's coming up and it was just not clicking. I remember moving seats to flick another switch. Sometimes they are faulty and that one was out too. 
So I had to call to the bus driver and say, hey, that was my stop. Can you let me off? He pulled over at the next stop and the bar was kind of between two bus stations. So I ended up walking maybe about a kilometre to the bar after getting off the bus. And that made me even more angry. It was beginning to feel like I wasn't able to access it. I'd even hadn't been there socially for around six weeks because I just got really sick of being there. I got really sick of wanting to go out and having a nice night with my friends and derailed by what at the time I just thought was anxiety. So I'd avoided it. And then when I made the conscious choice to go back, that's when it was feeling like I wasn't able to. There was a barrier to me entering determined I just kept walking and in my head I'm thinking I just have to get there I have to get there I have to see it for myself I'm frustrated I'm worked up about it and I make it there and it's kind of that feeling of waves pushing against you at the beach like you're trying to swim further out and you can't because the waves are just pushing against you stopping you like you're swimming against a current it took everything to push myself to make it. And I got there and it was closed. There was a light on inside and there was somebody polishing glasses and I could see them through the window. There's a few windows in the pub. So it's an older style pub. So there's a couple of doors in between. I got to the main doorway and that's when I actually put my hands up to the glass, peered in, and there's a small ledge. I stood on the ledge. I'm looking through the window. There's a light on, but it's not brightly lit. There's red carpet. There's a metal bar. There's drinks behind the bar bottles of spirits, a very typical small town pub. There was somebody polishing glasses and it was just like staring into a mirror, this other me, except for the fact that the person in front of me was like me from six months ago. I had taken out all my piercings. I had muted down my hair. I wasn't trying to make a lasting impression on people anymore. I was really comfortable with moving past that point of my life. And the person staring back at me was like that same girl who had not moved past that. It was me, but with the flaming red hair and piercings and that post-emo kid clothing and who I really wanted to be six months prior and it just rattled me to no end. I, if I had not seen it for myself, I would not have fully believed anyone that was telling me what was going on. Because I was standing on the little step I kind of stumbled back and fell. And as I fell, I was wearing thongs, which in Australia is, it's like flip-flops. Because of that, as I stepped back, my toe got caught on the metal ledge and I fell over just straight on my butt, hands behind me, and my foot was in excruciating pain. I remember just swearing really loudly because I felt like I was almost in a trance and then the pain really pulled me out of it. 
I looked down and there was a lot of blood and my, my toe was really quite injured. And when I looked back up, this person was in the window. They'd obviously heard somebody hurt themselves outside and come running over. And there was this period of like three seconds, maybe. Looking back, it had to only have been a couple of seconds, but it felt like so long. And we just stared at each other. She just looked horrified, just completely terrified. You know, there was a wall between us. There's a glass wall separating us. I couldn't hear her if she was to speak. I couldn't touch her. It wasn't tangible, but at the same time, like, I know what I'm seeing. I know I'm not hallucinating this. This is real and it's in front of me. I just was stuck. It, it was like frozen in time, couldn't move. It was this overwhelming anxiety feeling that had not gone away. I was really scared. The frustration that I had felt disappeared and I just cried. To be staring at yourself, but not yourself. It's uncanny valley to the hundredth degree. Emotionally, I couldn't cope. I looked down at my foot again. At that point, I realized that I was really seriously hurt and it wasn't going to stop. When I went to get back up, she was just gone. The light was still on inside the pub, but there was no one in there. There was a glass and a polishing cloth sitting on the bar as if somebody had left halfway through the job. I was just all of a sudden as overwhelmed as I had been. I felt alone. There was no cars on the road. There was no peripheral life, it felt like. It was just me completely alone. I didn't know how to process it. So I just turned around and sat at the bus stop and waited for my bus home. I remember the bus driver going, holy crap, is your toe okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And I just went home and bandaged it up. And it took a few days for me to really sit there and go, what the fuck? I don't know how that, I don't know what happened. For the few months afterwards, my friends would be like, oh, I wish you still worked there. That was so cheap. It was so good that we got free drinks. And because I hadn't processed it properly, I just laughed it off. I definitely believe this was some kind of parallel event. If you pinpoint it to one decision, it would probably just be, I didn't get a job, but this other me did get the job. In no world, no pun intended, am I an expert on this? As I said, I really bottled this up for a long time, but I can't think of any rational reason for it. And therefore, it to me has to be paranormal. A parallel timeline, another version of myself that I'm seeing. This is somebody who, until very recently, we probably lived the exact same life. We were possibly the same person, the same version. And there's just this splintering. She got a job that I didn't get and that's where we split. Is there 
hundreds of thousands of millions of versions of myself for every decision that I've ever made. That blows my brain. And I don't think about that because I think the existential anxiety that would come with that is too much for me. Especially when I think of people around me. I have a son now. Is there a universe where I don't have my son, where I have a daughter or no kids? Or that becomes too large for me to comprehend. I've moved away. I have a really fulfilling life outside of this now. And until I heard the episode on doppelgangers on Let's Get Haunted, I really had put it quite far out of my mind. That episode brought back a lot of memories, a lot of I mean, I had not forgotten it. It's not a repressed memory that's come back. It's just not something that I acknowledge on a daily basis. So to write in about it was the first time in eight years that I had actually spoken about it. And I'm really glad I did. I'm glad that I got it out. I'm glad that I was able to connect with people about it. That's the story (laughs) in a nutshell. I think when you have something like this and people think you're crazy or you perceive yourself as crazy, there's a sense of, I feel powerless. And kudos to you for having a platform that people feel empowered. I know that's really silly to say for like a paranormal podcast, but it's true. Like I I would not be sitting here talking about this with anyone if I didn't feel like I had backing and that's absolutely what especially the listener stories have because in real time you're like holy shit I I know what that's like I know that feeling I'm so glad you got to hear these two stories today what a crazy adventure Before we part ways today, do you want to hear something crazy that Tem told me? Maybe two months after we did that interview, Tem actually sent me a message to let me know that she still is having some weird doppelganger experiences. In her email, she said, quote, Australia voted in a pretty huge referendum about two weeks ago, and it is compulsory to vote here. I went to vote at our local polling booth and gave the woman my name and address. Without doxing myself, my full name is pretty unique. That detail is important because the voting rep said to me, sorry, you've already voted this morning. I asked her to double check and turns out there are two people living in my suburb, both named the exact same first, middle, and last name as me with that exact spelling with different addresses. I have never lived at the other addresses and that person had already come out and voted at that exact location just a couple of hours before me. Another voting rep even interjected and said, I thought I'd seen you here before, end quote. Isn't that crazy? crazy? Damn, it really makes you think. I wonder if I have a doppelganger. And if I do, what do you think she's doing right now? Hmm. Well, these are the questions to ponder that we may never know the answers to. Anyway, thanks for coming with me on this adventure, Haunty. Really appreciate you. And that's it for episodes of What's Haunting You until 2024. BRB, gotta go find the entrance to the parallel universe that my doppelganger lives in. Bye!
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.